Race matters. 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 As always, to start the show, I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, whose land we are broadcasting from, and pay my respects to elders past and present. It is such a privilege uh, to broadcast from Redfern, the birthplace of black theatre in Australia, and a place of strength, resistance, knowledge sharing, and storytelling for many communities. I'd like to honour that history. This is, was, and always will be Aboriginal land. You're listening to Race Matters, a show where we speak with guests of colour about the ways in which we understand the value of our ethnic identities. My name, my name is Darren Lasagas. How are you feeling? Very excited for today's special guest, Greek-Australian author and playwright from Western Sydney, Peter Polides. He released his debut novel in 2017 called Down the Hume, and tomorrow he releases his next. It's called The Pillars. Through the story of its narrator, Pano, it uh, dives into the Australian dream of home ownership while on the way. It gives you a bit of a snapshot of what it might be like to be Greek, Australian, gay, uh, in white settler country. It's visceral reading. Peter and I are going to talk about his book and we're going to talk about how we navigate understandings of masculinity, sexuality and desire as queer men of the diaspora. This first from Jay Som is Tenderness.
That was Jay Som and Tenderness. You're listening to Race Matters on FBI Radio 94.5. My name is Darren Lasagas, and with us in the studio is novelist and playwright of Greek descent, hailing from Western Sydney, Peter Polides. You may be familiar with his debut novel, Down the Hume, uh, the follow-up to which is released tomorrow, The Pillars, which is a striking story of a homosexual Greek writer, Pano, and his experience of contemporary Sydney life with its ideas of home ownership, navigations of race and sexuality, and which we'll get to in a moment. But before we do, Peter, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. Really uh, appreciative. Absolutely. A preemptive uh, congratulations on the, release of, on the release of The Pillars, which is out tomorrow. I am amazing, yes, thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, something that rings out in your work is how some of your characters, uh, I read Down the Hume when it came out a couple of years ago, uh, Bucks, uh, Pano in The Pillars, exists within this interplay of race, sexuality and class, uh, and then deal with the symptoms of lying uh, in that intersection in white settler country. Uh, war perceptions of desire, uh, ideas of shame, racism, and more. It can be a, a complex existence uh, to distill so clearly in writing. What's some of the research that goes into modelling these characters? Well, this is the thing, right? Like, when we were both growing up, we didn't understand how our sexuality and our race and our culture and our social economic position and our gender all intersected so it was just an experience so a lot of the research is about like reflecting on what the hell happened to us you know trying to come to grips with the trauma that we experience but then of course you also have the research of actual research so you like so like of course i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you know christos Chokas and other writers who have specifically wrote it in the queer cis male tradition you know what i mean so i did a lot of research into kind of like how uh, homosexuality existed within uh, literature as well. Or well, not even homosexuality, homosocial relationships existed within literature because it's so coded and complex. Mm. So it's kind of like a mixture of like dissecting your own life and then also like book, book reading. Mm. <laughs> at what point did you realise you had to dissect your own life? You know, At what point did that kind of self-awareness come into fruition? Oh, like, you, it, it's still going. Yeah. It's an ongoing process, and it just doesn't stop. You know, like, I remember, like, being aware of it acutely in my, like, you know, like, when you're 16, you're, like, you know, for some reason you stop desiring women and you start desiring men, and then, you know, there's fast forward to university when you desire a certain kind of man and a certain kind of man from a specific race and class. And then after that, you kind of, like reflect on that and then you start desiring a multiplicity of people and you interact the way your body interact you know it's 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 an ongoing process it's never ending it's it needs to be managed like (laughs) yeah it's like a process of unlearning yeah yeah it is it makes me wonder like what we're doing right now even in our state of self-awareness that in 10 or 15 years time will be like i wish i had unlearned that quicker yeah it's kind of worry you of all the time, yeah. Like, uh, I kind of like I look at some of the early anarchists' texts, like in, from the 18, from the nineteen hundreds, right? And it's like they've got the right ideas, but they don't have the language for it. And I think what's interesting as a writer is I'm playing with language, so I think a lot about how language changes and how language exists, and how a hundred years ago those anarchists they had the right intention, but they couldn't articulate it properly. Mm. You know, and so I also look at more recently, like in the last ten years, 
and this is a bit serious, right? Um, coercive control is part of has starting to creep into the lexicon of people. Maybe in the last two three years, to be honest. So we're starting to talk about coercive control as a form of domestic violence, right? Separate to domestic violence, right? Um, and when I was growing up, I didn't know what that was, but now the language exists for it. You know what I mean? So I think as much as I kind of like want to cancel my own self in the past, which is I think what you're asking, (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to do that, but without language, without the language, we can't do anything. Absolutely. You know? Uh, Speaking of language and speaking of unlearning, uh, kind of ideas that are explored in the pillars and down the Hume, uh, in the case especially of cis gay men, uh, is you explore the way that racial and economic prejudices are revealed through quote-unquote sexual preferences. Um, That in particular, where do you think that comes from? Jeez, uh, a mind virus? Mm. Um, uh, Look, I think this is where we have to rely on the kind of like, like, so what are you asking? You're asking specifically, tell me. So why do white men only like to date other white men? Well, why do, another question is, is why do like um, little wog boys such as myself only interested were some ethnic men are only interested in white men mm. right it's weird right i was actually hanging out with another writer right and we're talking about this and yeah. this writer said to me oh like i can date someone that's greek but they have to be from the hegemony i could never date like they have to be from greece i couldn't date a greece from here a greek from here and then he and then that person said to me I could date like a leb or whatever but they had to be from lebanon right they couldn't date a leb that was Born here? Yeah, right. And so what I think it is, I think in the most superficial, shallowest way, I think it's part of desiring the hegemony of the nation state, right? So I think like, you know, the nation state is a construct of a specific ethnicity, one single ethnicity. And what you're doing by desiring that is desiring to participate in it. You know, and then of course, right, you can't have that conversation without talking about all the, you know, structural philosophers and how uh, what the work they've done in terms of interpreting desire, the state, citizenship, all that stuff is into play. So really, I think the answer to the question is, I think people just simply just desire to be part of the nation-state hegemon. And it's performance? I think sexuality is a performance. I think all mm-hmm. sexualities are a performance. Mm-hmm. I think gender is a performance, of course. And of course, desire must be a performance then, right? That is that not scary? Isn't desire like a base instinct, uh, a pure expression of like your bodily function? Yeah, but how it's interpreted is through a filter of your environment. That's true. Right? Yeah. That's Peter Politius. We are talking uh, some pretty heavy stuff now. I feel like we got in pretty quickly. Uh, The Pillars is his new novel. It's out tomorrow, but we're going to go to a song right now as chosen by Peter. Can you tell us why he chose this song? Oh, um, I, I'm listening to this song a lot. I'm actually thinking about the different bo- voices in it. It's uh, Biggie Smalls and Bone Thugs and Harmony. I love Bone Thugs and Harmony. I think they're an underrated rap group. Biggie Smalls is pretty good in this, and he has some like interesting uh, language. But really, the stars of this is Busy Bones. Uh, okay. So go for it. <laughs> language you want. You're an FBI 94.5.
too many can bang with us. Straight up, we no angel dust. Label us notorious. Thug ass niggas that love the bus. It's strange to us. Y'all niggas be scrambling, gambling. I'm restaurants with mandolins and violins. We just sitting here trying to win, trying not to sin. High off weed and oxygen. So much smoke need oxygen. Steadily counting in Benjamins. Nigga, you should too. If you knew what this game would do to you. Been in this shit since 92. Look at all the bullshit I've been through. So called beef with you know who. Fucked a few female stars or two. Then a blue light. Niggas look like my shit. Not to be fucked with. Motherfucker better duck quick. Cause me and my dogs love the buck shit. Fuck the luck shit. Strictly aim. No aspirations to take the game. Spit your game. Fuck your shit. Grab your cat. Call your clip. Squeeze your clip. Hit the right one. Pass that weed. I got the light one. All them niggas. I got to fight one. All them hoes. I got the light one. Our situation is a tight one. What you gonna do? Fight or run. Seems to me that you take B. Bone and big. Nigga die slowly. I'ma tell you like a nigga told me. Cash roll everything around me. Shit. Lyrically. Niggas can't see me. Fuck it. Buy the coke. Cook the coke. Cut it. Know the bitch before you call yourself loving it. Nigga with a bench. Fuck it. Doesn't it seem hard to you? Big come through with mobs and crews Good fellas down to the most of dudes Who's the killer? Me or you? We forgive you For you know not what you do, do, do. 7 a.m. broke in the morning With Henny caffeine and green and nicotine No dough, so pop a couple of dough That I ripped up Nigga, Mr. Clean, big and clean Deep in my temple and I do get Sentimentally stained with my instrumentality And heat it especially for your team And the 45 and D will be In between the scenes, destroy your dreams You willing to die, we'll see Time and peace when it comes to see we mean mug, mo, mo, trying to be perfect. Disciples with it, survival tongue of a double next sword, triple, six rivals fitting fire. This the real truth, bitch. Breaking out for lies, my massage. Better be ready for all my game. Shit, six five, it's wild. Bless the child. The one that became a man. Put in positions already played. All that I had to do was stay. Test me now. Contend never know, surrender. No pretend. Pick up my pen and my hand. Turn on my trusted friend, friend. Hey, open the lid.
This is Notorious Thugs on Race Matters here on FBI Radio 94.5. I'm Darren Lasagas. Peter Polides is with us in the studio ahead of the release of his new novel, The Pillars, out tomorrow. Peter, I want to talk about the complexity uh, of the fluidity of racial categorization within the pillars. There's a moment when Pano is uh, buying kebab from a server who speaks to him in Arabic, uh, despite him being Greek, and Pano kind of relishes in the moment um, of being someone else. There's also a character in your book who does uh, lie about his racial identity uh, three times uh, as he's being propositioned for a meth-fueled orgy. Um, with three other men and not to look at them as comparative instances because in many ways they're not. But what do we do to ourselves when we misrepresent or misperform our racial identity to others? I think it's a broader question, right? Like you have to look at the way race is constructed in Australia and uh, how that plays out. So, for example, right, like um, I often get spoken to um, by different shopkeepers in their language and you know if i can get away with it because i don't want to have a conversation i'll just nod or grunt Mm. right but what is also saying about race is that we have these specific racial categorizations like we'll say leb or islander or latino or whatever right and really like people kind of just look the same Mm -hmm. right like so in the gay community it's really interesting to be on like grinder i remember like a few years ago on grinder just meeting a lot of like young Arabic, from young men from Arabic backgrounds who would say they were Latino, you know what I mean? And, you know, even on the social media apps, you'd still find, like, a lot of uh, some kind of Asian gay men will say that they're from a Pacific Islander background, mm. right? So what I think it's saying, that kind of gestures, is that there's a racial hierarchy in people's heads and it's desirable. It's more desirable to be Latino than it is to be of a Middle Eastern background, you know, so a lot of um, Arabs also pretend to be Greek. You know, they'd be like, oh, like, you know, you hear this whole, like a lot of Christian Arabs do this whole, oh, we're Phoenician, we're this, we're that, because they're, they're aspiring to kind of, you know, some European supremacy. You know, it's all nonsense, really, mm-hmm. right? Like, but what I'm trying to point out with, like, characters changing identities, well, number one, that's like a technical element of noir, and I love that. I love people, like, changing identities, race categorizations, genders, etc., etc. And that's just like a fun technique to play with on a literary level. But then there's also um, what I'm saying is the comment of how arbitrary racial constructs are, you know. Mm. But you know what? As a smart person, right, we know that race is arbitrary, but we're also trapped by it in a certain way, you know. Yeah. I think about, yeah, you mentioned Grindr and like being young and being introduced to... Uh, performing your sexuality on apps or to other people in those kinds of settings and realizing that your identity isn't worth what you thought it was and therefore performing something else to increase your worth to others. You mentioned, I mean, like, you know, Asian men, there are, like, categories within Grindr that can uh, signal to others something that you're not. So for me, my temptation was always to say that I was mixed, even though I'm not mixed, to make myself somehow more appealing to others. And that is kind of something that... I didn't realize until, as you said later, you have like an awakening and think, what the hell? Why did I have to do that? But also the other thing about that is like, like technically you're mixed. Technically I'm mixed. Mm. Like my great grandmother, like, 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 like my great grandmother is Turkish. My 
other side of my my maternal side comes from like um you know uh the mountainous baltic regions you know what i mean like what the fuck is greek what the fuck is i'm assuming filipino mm-hmm. you know like like you know like you don't look like specifically like the indigenous tribes of the philippines you know like clearly you're mestizo somewhere you know what mm-hmm. i mean <laughs> like yeah well i mean then when did the conversation start to move towards the idea that if you did do that that you should be ashamed or that you were some sort of race traitor or you weren't, you know, identifying with yourself authentically. Yeah, because it's, it seems like it's kind of like, it's supposed to be an exchange, right? Mm. It's like, it's like, it's, it's like part of the whole thing about being like in those spaces is that you're selling something, you know, like the, like so much of gay exchange is negotiating like a sales or mile or an economic exchange, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what that's, and so, you know, as, you know, whatever we are from certain backgrounds, we'll use that strategically. And that's totally cool. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's true. You know. Uh, Peter, we are running out of time, but there is a question that we ask. Oh, did your phone just alarm? <laughs> no, no, that was my Casio digital gold watch. Thank you, you listeners. It, it knew that it was running out I of time, too. I am very young, yeah. <laughs> there is a question that we ask every guest before we let them leave the studio, although you are free to leave whenever you want, um, is when did you realize there was power in your race? Oh, see, this is the thing, right? <laughs> I grew up, right? In the diaspora of Belmore, right? Like, and by that I mean, like, there were days where if I didn't go to school, I didn't have to speak English. Do you know what I mean? So, and I also knew historically that Greeks have lived in diaspora for hundreds of thousands of years. You know, Greeks have lived in Egypt as a diaspora, Greeks lived in Russia as a diaspora. There's a Greek town in Ethiopia. You know what I mean? So, Greeks have been like lived in diaspora everywhere, you know? And in Turkey as well, right? So, I've never had a sense of deficiency, you know, because also my whole life I was like going to Greek school, learning Greek dancing. Do you know what I mean? I, you know, I grew up in a community of Greeks. Everyone around me was Greek. So, and, you know, a lot of the time we would bully people that weren't Greek. You know what I mean? And so I understand what it's like to be part of a micro hegemony. Mm. You know what I mean? Like one time, me, my mum, and my brother-in-law were walking, right, and uh, we bumped into a Greek, and then um, my mum introduced him. They go, "Is he one of us?" And my mum goes, "No, he's a Xenos, so he's a foreigner." And then my brother-in-law jokingly said, "Imagine that being called a foreigner in my own country," mm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Peter, please, thank you so much for coming in to chat about The Pillars. It is your second novel and it is out tomorrow. We'll pop the details up to it online, fbiradio.com slash race matters. Peter, thank you so much again. Thank you for having me. Race matters. 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 Race matters.